do you know that you're blessed? How do you know that you're blessed? How do you know that you're blessed? Cause you got up out of your bed. You were able to walk, walk around. You were able to look with your eyes. You were able to hear with your ears. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that you're blessed? How do you know that you're blessed? How do you know that you're blessed? And the telephone didn't ring last night. The telephone didn't ring last night. Telling you somebody died. You're blessed. You're blessed. How do you know that you're blessed? 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 Cause God healed you. Sick in your body. God healed you. When you're sick. God healed you. Should have been dead. Should have been dead. Should have been dead. How do you know that you're blessed? 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 The job didn't call you and tell you that you were laid off. You got a job. How do you know that you're blessed? How do you know that you're blessed? I can feel him. I can feel him. He's moving. He's inside. He's moving all over me. He's moving. Hey, the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is if you know that you're blessed that's a place right there to give God glory it could have been you it could have been you it should have been you but God said no I have a good plan for you and all of the evil tries to come against you I'll fight your battle all hands lifted all hands lifted father we thank you for your presence we know that we are blessed God because you declare that we're blessed we're blessed in the city you said we're blessed in the field you said we're blessed going out and coming in so we thank you for your presence. We know that in your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. Ah, and at your right hand, there are blessings and pleasures forevermore. So God, we lift our hands now as we thank you for your presence. Mm -hmm. We thank you for your presence. In your presence is
Praise the Lord. Your presence is everything to me. Good morning and thank you for being in the house of the Lord. It's time for us to honor God with our giving. Let me encourage you, never miss this part of your worship experience. Giving is receiving. I always tell my young people that the secret to your success in the future is always in your daily routine. So always look at yourself, your life, see what is it that you do on a regular basis. And that's an indicator of what your future will look like. So in everything you do, everybody is given 24 hours. And within that time, find time not only to worship, not only to pray, but also find time to give. time ago there used to be a gentleman by the name Larry Bird great basketball player one thing I learned from him is that he get up every morning before doing anything before breakfast he will shoot 500 times his basketball and he was so good at it that he you know you're in trouble when the ball gets in his hand. Shaquille O'Neal was having problems scoring. Guess what they make him do? Every day before dinner, he's shooting the free throws because he was considered a weak link when it comes to free throws. And the more he shoot, the better he gets. Such is life. Whatever you do, whatever is your daily routine, is an indicator of your future success. And I'm encouraging you, include whatever else you do, giving to the Lord. Because God promised when you honor him with your substance and the first fruit of your increase, he said, I'll make sure that your storehouse will go bigger and your, your, your container will burst with new wines. So it's really, you're in control of that. The pastor cannot just pray for you to be financially successful. No, you have to do your part. Make it a routine. Help somebody. Give to God. Enjoy giving because the more you give, the more you give back to you. Giving is receiving. You see, if you give, it shall be given to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, your cup will be running over. You show me somebody who habitually struggle financially. I'll show you a man or a woman that has not included giving in his daily routine. Believe me when I tell you, it has nothing to do with what kind of job you do. It has nothing to do with what kind of career you're in. 
I hang around people with PhDs and they're struggling financially. Ain't <laughs> that something? So really make sure you do what the Bible dictates and then you reap the harvest for a lifetime. We have four ways for you to give in this ministry. Now that you're present here, you can simply give to the ushers as they pass by. That's one way. Another way is basically, if you're not here and you're live streaming, go to our website, zionhill.com. And there's opportunity for online giving. Where, if you're not into computer, but just use your telephone. <laughs> There's a church app there. Zion Hill Church app. You can download it from the app stores. And it allow you to give any day, any hour, 24-7, any day of the week. And finally, if you're not that sophisticated, you can just use text message. So there is no excuse for not giving in this church. My job is to provide you and give you the opportunity. Your job is to take advantage of that and see yourself blessed. See the seed of your womb blessed. Even long time after you're gone, your seed will still be speaking for you. That's the will of God for all of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for your word. We know when we give, you, sh- you will give back to us. We know you always give seed to sow us. There are some people right now who are ready, willing, and able to give for the work of the ministry. Lord, I lift them up. I lift the, the work of their hands up. Their job, their career, their business. I put it in your hand. Father, we need insurance in everything we do. I call heaven to provide heavenly coverage for every giver in this house. I pray for great success. I pray for uncommon miracles and favor after favor after favor in their lives. And I thank you for much increase in the life of every giver. In Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers will come. The choir will minister. Let's give and watch God do what he do best.
Thank you, choir. We appreciate your ministry. Please do not forget on our calendar, we have something called Vacation Bible School. Amen. How many of you are ready for that? Amen. You want to make sure you get involved in this thing called Vacation Bible School. It is very, very important that you honor God with your time. And also bring your children. I cannot tell you enough how important it is help your children they're not in school right now and this is the time to equip them for the most part our people you just think of vacation with the kids but please let me encourage you I know sometimes I get on people's nerves when I tell the truth <laughs> but one of the agenda for your children this summer should be to teach them about God. We're dealing with a lot of society issues. And a lot of the problem we're having as a society is from the young people. And they're good people. The problem is the parents. An organization like ours, nonprofits, we got to help these young people. And one way that we try to help them in this church is through Vacation Bible School. A week long of activities and, and just having a good time together and learning. Not just for young people, for adults. Over there at the university, uh, part of what I'm doing this summer is helping young people. And it grieves my heart. I don't see many of our own folks there. Guess what these young people are doing? Some of them come from California. Some of them come from Ohio. They camp. They're just using a campus. They're renting from us. They, they pay. Don't get me wrong, but I watch what they do with these kids. Uh, it puts them in a serious advantage. So we can only try. One of the reasons why we get a luxury bus is not just to be looking pretty over there, but to take young people to places they've never been that mama and dad cannot afford. So they can see things called exposure. So, I mean, these things are very, very important. Our children are not bad kids. But it is UMS duty to help them. So, we may not have a perfect program, but believe me when I tell you, we spent thousands of dollars as a church on this. So please put on your calendar Vacation Bible School. Make it a priority. Bring your kids. Bring your own self. 
Adults need to learn too. Hallelujah. I know I do. I don't know about you. <laughs> I could use more education. Amen. All minds clear? Well, let's say hello to one another. I know you've been texting me and telling me about uh, COVID is coming back again, all that. I don't know. So, calm down. <laughs> so, if you don't want to shake people's hand, you can bump. Fellowship is a part of worship. So, we just want you to get up, say hello to somebody. Don't be an island to yourself. Anybody that needs a friend must show himself friendly. family are asking all of us for prayers. I believe Brother TJ will be moving to Plano, Texas. And so we just want to lift them up. He's taking a job there as a clinical director. So we're grateful. It's a good thing. Every time our children are doing something good, we ought to rejoice. I don't mind people moving out of town. Amen. As long as they are moving to do better. Amen. Also, after the singing, I will be preaching to you. I probably will be teaching you today the most important sermon you need to know. Uh, it's about worship. I regret to say most churches, 98% of churches in America do not know how to worship. So pay attention. 
let the Holy Spirit minister to you next to your salvation. The second most important thing is for you to worship God. God told Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. So don't let your religion hinder you. You would you would die in ignorance if you don't learn. So our worship is very important to God. Here comes our worship team. God bless you.
Thank you, musicians. That is a song from Africa, you all. In case you don't know. How do I know? Because in Africa, the way they sing, they sing like they talk. So, in America, you will say, God loves me too much. But in Africa, they will say, God loves me too much. Oh. So, that's what they're doing. So, even though I don't know, I guess one of the musicians uh, taught them. Thank you. But I can tell. So, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to be international. And I commend you musicians for that. If you have your Bible with you, will you please open it to the book of Psalms 137. I'm going to read verses 1 through verse 4. Thank you, ministers and worship leaders and choir. What a blessing. Jesus loved me too much, oh. I they say it over, 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 over again. The book of Psalms, chapter 137, verses 1 through verse 4. The Bible says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept. When we remember Zion, we hang our musical instruments, our harps, upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth. They are saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for those who are gathered to hear it. Thank you for those who are listening at home on the highways, listening on radio, watching on television, live streaming on the internet. Holy Spirit, glorify yourself in this house. Touch our hearts. Help our understanding. Lord, use your servant to be a channel of blessing to everyone listening. At the end of the day, Make us better, better worshiper, better Christian, all for your glory. I pray that miracles will take place today. I pray the healing of the body, spirit, and soul will manifest. Have your way in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to be talking to you on the subject titled, The Power of Your Worship. 
the power of your worship. The passage I just read to your hearing is about the Israelites. I'm sure many of you are familiar with their story. They were in their country and they were doing well. Everything was going good for them. They had a big church called the temple. And they would go there just like you do, just like I do. Every week, they have good church, good choir. The instrumentalists are there, people who are playing instruments. One of their most popular instruments back then is called the harp. Just like in our churches today, popular instruments are like piano and organs and drums. So they were doing well. But one day, things changed for them. And what happened is that the enemy came and basically attacked them and conquered them. So time changed on them. Their situation changed. Their circumstance, all the good time in the church house, over. Be quiet. Done. So now they find themselves being captured. And I can stop there and have church with you because one of the challenges that we face today, those of us who profess to be Christians, we are being captured over and over again by the devil. We go to church, we sing good. The preacher preach good. And yet, most Christians are living a very defeated life. It don't take a rocket scientist to know something is missing. These people, they were captured. And now they're on their way to Babylon. And as they were traveling, they got to a river called the River of Babylon. And there, they're feeling sorry for themselves. They were weeping and having a pity party. And guess what they did? They hang up their harps, their instrument. They said, no, I'm done with this. I ain't singing no more. I'm not going to be playing no instruments no more. And I can relate to that. It's not just the Israelites. I hate to say it, but in my house, I have a grand piano just like that. I have an upright piano. Many of you have been to my house, you see. I have a bunch of keyboards. I, like the Israelites, I love to worship. I love to play. In fact, probably one or two of my keyboards are here. So, I mean, I, I buy keyboards like I'm buying toys. And I would just enjoy just worshiping and just playing. But one day, I hang it all up. Brother Pastor, what happened? Well, I got so hurt. I got wounded. I got defeated. By life, you know. So I said, no. I'm through with this. Come on, sir. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I said to myself, I never play in any church anymore. In fact, I said, I never preach in any church. I remember coming to Louisiana and joining a church. I didn't even tell them I'm a preacher. Life control your curveball. <laughs> to the point that you say, dude, I'll hang it all up. You'd be surprised how many people are out there on the street that they used to lead solos in the church. Used to be active. And maybe you're here today and you're dealing with situations and circumstances and this condition that makes you say, look, I'm through. And you hang it up. You find yourself moving from a positive experience to a negative one. An enemy will be knocking on your door telling you, hang it up. You don't need to be singing no choir. Hang it up. You don't need to be playing no guitar. You don't need to be playing no horn. You don't need to play no piano. Hang it up. Well, the reason why the enemy is after your worship is because there is power in your worship. And I just want to take the time to share with you how you can overcome any challenge. I'm glad that I'm back in my music now. I'm glad I'm preaching back. But there was a time I was not going to preach to no soul. God is my witness. So how do you get this kind of restoration? You need to understand about your worship. Ladies and gentlemen, think about it. If your health is failing you, guess who you're going to call? The doctor. Am I right about it? If you are a homeowner and your house is falling in disrepair, guess who you're going to call? Find you a repairman. If you're driving a car and your car breaks down, guess who you're going to look for? A good mechanic. Am I right about it? But what do you do when your world is breaking down? What will you do when your world is falling apart? I come to tell somebody your worship is what God has given you to overcome. You'll be amazed how many people here are facing challenges right now. Challenges on the job. Challenges in their career. Challenges in their homes. Challenges even in relationship. But you know, it's good to know there is a way out. And that is why we're talking about the power in your worship. I learned something in football. Many of you know I like football. And when the quarterback, when they snap the ball and they give, they throw it to the quarterback, 
One thing I figured out is that the lion's man will come after the quarterback. Every one of them, they run after him. And so, a good quarterback, what he would do, is not going to keep that ball forever. Do I have a witness in the house? So what he would do is to hand that ball to somebody, maybe the halfback. All right? So let me say to you, I'm using simple things to illustrate deep things of God. The problem with many Christians, when we are going through, we hang on to our problem for too long. So the first thing you need to do is to throw that ball to Jesus. Jesus said in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, he said, I can handle it. Throw me the ball. He said, cast all your cares upon you. I'm just using illustration so I can break it down to everybody's level. So that ball in your hand, throw it to Jesus. That problem you're facing right now, you've been crying in silence for too long. Let Jesus carry the ball. And you know what is so good in football? Once the quarterback throw the ball to somebody, then all those linesmen shifted. <laughs> they will shift to whoever is now carrying the ball. So when I say to you, cast all your cares upon him. True worship is a journey. And the first thing you do in true worship don't be hanging on to all your baggage. Cost a shift in your life. Hand the ball over to your Savior. And he's big enough to handle it. Can I have an amen on that? He said his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So I'm sure one of you will say, Brother Pastor, okay, I get it. You use story, you use simple illustration, I, I get that. But how do I throw the ball in my life? All the problems, all the challenges. How do I cause a shift from me to Jesus? And the way you do it, one word, worship. That's why I said to you, if you don't learn how to worship, just having a good church will not do it. And if you don't believe me, just look at your life. Look at how many defeats you've suffered needlessly. That is why how to worship becomes very, very important. A good example of true worship is found in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. You all know the story of Jehoshaphat. Beginning from verse 1, when you get home, read it again. Yes, sir. Like you and me, Jehoshaphat find himself in trouble. Is there anybody here never been in trouble? If you raise your hand, you are the biggest liar I ever met. 
even your pastor have to deal with challenges and troubles of this life. In fact, I wish I had time to get in serious theology with you. In fact, Jesus take delight in you going through trouble and overcoming your trouble. In the book of Revelation, he talks so much about overcomers. The size of your reward is linked to how much you overcome in life. One songwriter say, if I never had any problem, I would never know I serve a God who can solve them. You would never really know what faith in God is. Jehoshaphat found himself in trouble. A bunch of enemies gang up on him. You all remember this story. And the first thing Jehoshaphat admitted in verse 3 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 he said he was afraid. I don't know about you. I know about being afraid. I know about taking an exam and being scared before I take the exam. Being scared after I take the exam. I know about applying for a job and while I'm waiting, I know how my heart was pounding in me. Many of you just won't admit it, but Jehoshaphat said, I was scared. Another thing Jehoshaphat said in verse 12, he said, we didn't know what to do. Sometimes in life there are some troubles that will come that you have no clue what to do. Been there. But he admitted it. But notice, all of us would like to be in control of our situation. All of us like to be able to handle any challenge that comes in our life. But here is somebody saying, I have no clue what to do. Again, I'm suggesting to you, whenever you get in trouble, your way out of trouble is your worship. What did I call it? But the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is not what we church folks call worship. I hate to say, I don't mean to mess your religion up, most of what we call worship in the church is total ignorance. It's not worship. It's just tradition of our religion. And it's, it's alright if there's some good tradition, but you need to know about true worship. Because you're going to need it. The devil is after your worship. The devil is after my worship. The devil is going to mess with your keys. He mess with mine. He messing with everybody's job. He messing with everybody's health. He mess with our finance. That's what he does best. But the good news is that you can beat the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. How do you do it, brother pastor? Through your worship. Ladies and gentlemen, so what is worship? How do we worship? When do we worship? 
Where do we worship? That's what my assignment is this morning. And the simple divination God revealed to me is that worship is not an event like we do in church. We will say, oh, it's time for worship. And some church, they will allocate five minutes for it. Some church will allocate ten minutes. Some, if they're generous, they may do fifteen minutes. That's not worship. Worship is a journey. What did I call it? And you have to be willing to take that journey. The first thing, if you're going on that journey, the first thing you have to do is to get right with God. Most of us, we're already lost here. We can preach good. We can sing good. But we never get right with God. You cannot come in the presence of God with your filthy self. The reason why we never experience true worship is those who are professing to be worshiping God, they never get right with God before they try to approach him. In verse number 2 of Second Chronicles chapter 20, the first thing Jehoshaphat did was to assemble the whole of Israel and say, let's get right with God. Can you imagine me trying to lead you to the throne of God and I'm not even right? And that's what's going on in many churches. Let me appeal to you. Not just to the pastor, not just to the choir members, not just to the musicians. Every one of you, every one of us, we are made to worship. If you're going to worship, you might say, why should I worship? Your worship is what's going to get you out of your troubles. Your worship is what's going to get you out of sicknesses and disease. Because when you are able to get in the presence of God, no sickness can hang out. But the problem is that many of us are not able to get in the presence of God. How do you get there? Number one, get right with God. It's a journey. It's like you're traveling to Baton Rouge or you're traveling to New Orleans, you got to start somewhere. And the first place you start is to get right with God. Please take note, being right with God is prerequisite or requirement to hearing from God. You're not going to hear from God. You're not even going to be able to see God. You're not even going to be able to approach God if you don't first get right with God. Remember the tabernacle, the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies? Guess where God is located? The holies of holies. Behind the veil. So you and I, we can stay in the outer court, where we are now, and sound good, and feel good, and dance, and jump, and sweat. But we are not yet in the presence of God. We are still outside the court. 
How do we get where God is? You've got to get right with God. I challenge all of us from the pulpit to the pews. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about lining up good songs. It's not just about having the best choir or the best preacher. If your heart is not right with God, you may do everything else, but it's not worship. The next thing you need to do, you're still in the journey. Jehoshaphat said, now that we get right with God, he pronounced a fast. You ask yourself the question, when was the last time that you go to a church and even before we start worship service, everybody had been fasting all week? Brother Pastor, what are you talking about? See, fasting is very simple. Fasting is giving up something in the natural, in the physical, to gain something in the spirit. Worship is a spiritual thing, but we are willing to do what it would take. We're willing to give up things in the physical so that we can get something in the spirit. So even though we preach good, even though we shout good, even though we sing good, that's just entertainment. You've got to be willing to get right with God. You've got to be willing to fast. That's when you say to yourself and say, Self, right now, the spiritual is more important than the physical. Any pastor that would do that, any choir member, musician, worship leader, or whatever you are, God will use you beyond your imagination. The Bible says he is actually seeking. He is looking for true worshipers. Ladies and gentlemen, the problem is that most of us, we like to visit God spiritually, but we're being controlled by the flesh. What fasting does, ladies and gentlemen, is shift your focus from the natural to the spiritual. Every pastor ought to do it. Every worship leader ought to do it. Every choir member. Any member of this church that you truly want to worship God. Condition your life. Condition your body. Sacrifice the physical so that you can gain access to the spiritual. I have to confess to you that is not difficult for me because it's the law of investment. Investment is simply making a sacrifice for now so you can gain something in the future. It's simple business 101 that you, you learn in college. 
But many of us, we want something in the future, but we're not willing to make sacrifice for now. So you get your salary, you blow it all. In my home, I have to face everybody. No. Children, no, not now. We're going to invest in our future. Where we got the child? What if the child fire your daddy? Where we go we got job? What if you lose your job? What if your health failed you? The same thing in the spirit. You can't just say, well, we're gonna worship now, everybody. Oh, really? Where is your investment? Have you got right with God? Where is your sacrifice? Is your on the altar of sacrifice laid? Does your spirit, does the spirit control your life? But we want to live in the world and then come together every Sunday and have a good time. While you're still in that journey of worship, another thing you need to do is to be praying. A true worshiper is not just singing. A true worshiper is not just praying. Woe is me if I just come before you every Sunday and I didn't pray before I stand before you. Don't expect God to use you. I don't care how good you sing. If you are not prayerful, before you get up to sing, you're just making an empty noise. Say, Lord, use me. Lord, anoint my mouth. Anoint my body. Anoint my voice. Let me speak as an oracle of God. Let me sing. There's a young lady, Tasha Cobb. I was so impressed by her. I was listening to her one day. She said, look, yes, pastor, it's a journey, but I get myself ready before I open my mouth. But we have taken God for granted. We'll just show up. They say, all you're required to do, come to rehearsal one time a week, and you're ready Sunday. Really. All you're required to do, just study a little Bible study, and 30 minutes, one hour, and you're ready to preach. Really. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never know that God is all you need until you discover that God is all you have. Are you listening to me? So, true worship must be grounded in your personal relationship with God. And that's what's missing in most churches today. We don't have problems singing. 
We don't have a problem preaching. In fact, some of us are so good, we will preach and hoop. But do you have a true relationship with God? So while you're on this journey to worship, I said, number one, get right with God. Number two, shift all your problems. In the hand of God. Number three, I say consider regularly subjecting your flesh through fasting. Are you still here? In other words, develop a true relationship. A real worshiper. When they show up, you can tell. You cannot worship God that you don't know. Are you listening to me? You cannot take anybody to a place you've never been. I have never been to Alaska. If I say, follow me, we're going to Alaska. Get in the car. I have no clue what I'm talking about. Are you all still here? Ladies and gentlemen, it is when you've done these things that you get right with God, that you shift your body in the hand of God, that you're willing to fast and pray, now you can praise God. You see, we're still on a journey. You're not even worshiping yet. You are heading there. And praise is what you do to say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this. I thank you for that. It's your way of recognizing who God is. It's your way of appreciating who God is. It's your way of thanking him for what he's done for you. You thank God for his goodness. You thank God for his mercy. You thank God for his blessing. You thank God for his provision. Church folks have taken God for granted so much that we just want to sound good. Is there something in your life that you know but for God you won't have it? And you just want to say, Lord, I thank you. Every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving. I go back to my football illustration again. Have you ever seen the defense when they play good? I don't know if it's an American tradition or just part of football. They'll go like this. That's their way of telling everybody in the crowd, give it up. See what we just did, give it up. And everybody will be screaming and yelling, especially if you go to New Orleans. They love their team. I mean, they, they are so thrilled. So every time their team did something, everybody's. When was the last time you give it up for Jesus? Isn't it amazing that we will come and you can, you can just count the congregation and just see what people are doing? Half of the church has gone to sleep. This is during praise and worship. I guess they forget this camera in the building. 
and their sound asleep. During praise and worship, some of the people are on their telephone texting each other. During praise and worship, you see people having a conversation. How you doing? How you feel? I like your dress today. Oh, where you get that hearing? I will really you be the judge. I will really praising God. But when you look back over your life and think of what could have happened, what should have happened, and by the grace of God, you are still here. Somebody ought to give it up for God this morning. Has he made a way for you? Somebody ought to give it up for Jesus this morning. Has he ever healed your body? Somebody ought to give it up for Jesus this morning. Has he ever been a shelter in time of storm? You better give it up. Say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my health. Thank you that the blood is flowing in my veins. Thank you for making a way out of no Give it up. God has been good to you. Ladies and gentlemen, if I were you today, every day will be a day of thanksgiving in my life. Somebody say, Brother Pastor, well, I hear you, but I have nothing to thank him for. People will communicate with me, Pastor, I want to praise God. I like what you are saying. But you know I'm going through a lot right now. But the truth be told, God will let you know how much you need him. And you know what he does? He will allow some things. Many of you cannot handle this. He will allow some things to get out of control. He will allow some things to go down to see how you're going to handle yourself. But there is something about praising God on credit. There is something we call hallelujah anyhow. You don't have to wait until the battle is over. While you're still in the midst of your battle, you have to learn to give God the glory. While you're still dealing with crisis, you have to, you have to reach out and say, Lord, I bless your name anyhow. Lord, I thank you anyhow. I thank you that you're working it out. you can praise God in advance because deep in your spirit you know that God is bigger than your problem. Do I have a witness in the house? God is bigger than your mountain. God is bigger than your trials. Whatever the devil meant for evil God is able to turn it around for your good. Somebody shout hallelujah. Remember, the Bible says Jehoshaphat and his people, they start to praise God. Not after the trouble is over. While they are still in the midst of Christ. 
and the Bible says, while they are praising God. While you are praising God. You haven't seen the, the miracle yet. You haven't seen the blessing yet. You haven't seen result for your prayer yet. But while you are praising God, God show up. God said, this battle is not yours. You don't need AK-47. What you need, get some real worshipers. Get some Judah in the house. Oh, I wish I can preach to somebody. It is your praise that will get you out of your situation. But can you imagine if you're praising God, but your heart is not right with God? Can you imagine if you're praising God, or you're trying to praise God, but you're not prayerful? You've never sacrificed the flesh to get something in the spirit. And then people ask me, why is it that I'm still waiting on the Lord? Then I ask them a simple question. What have you done, my sister, to sacrifice, to crucify this flesh so that you can reap benefits in the spirit? It's not just about singing and feeling good. What about your prayer life? What about your relationship with God? And that's why the Bible explained the protocol for true worship. You remember in, in, in Psalms 100, I believe it's verse 4, he said, you see, you're trying to get to God, but this is how you get there. He said, enter his gate. How? With thanksgiving. Enter his court. How? With praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. Don't say he hasn't done it yet. Bless his name. While you are blessing his name, he's working things out in the background. Bless his name. Don't wait till the, 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 the trouble is over. Bless his name. You can shout right now. Nobody have to come to church and say, will everybody please stand and praise the Lord? No. Every one of us, God has been good to us. Am I right about it? Ladies and gentlemen, here's where religion messed up. Religion said, you know, in John chapter 4, Jesus was traveling. You know the story. He was traveling from uh, Judea to Jerusalem. And then he sent his boys, go get some food. You all remember that? And then he, he hang out with a girl, her sister, by the well. Am I still in the book? And then they were having a conversation. You all remember that? And guess what they were talking about? Worship. And the sister was trying to make a point. He said, Lord, well, we know about worship. He said, but here's the problem. I'm a Samaritan. We know. This is where we worship God. But you Jewish people, you say, no, over this, you worship God. He said, so that's why we have problems. And Jesus was listening to him. That conversation is like many of us are doing now. When you ask many Christians, tell me about worship. Honestly, that's the first 10 minutes in our church. Really? Is that worship? 
You ask some people, tell me about worship. They say, oh, no, uh, uh, that's when we sing slow songs. You see how messed up we are? They, they think about the location. They think about the style of music. That's how much the devil has blindfolded us. And Jesus has to tell the sister. He says, sister girl, let me school you. Let me help you. He says, worship has nothing to do with location. Worship has nothing to do with your denomination. Some people will say, oh, the Koji know how to worship. Well, I don't know about the Baptist. Worship has nothing to do with what group you belong. Jesus said, it don't matter whether you worship in Jerusalem or in El Segundo. He said, the time has come when true worshiper will worship God in spirit and in truth. Can you really say everybody that is preaching the pulpit, they are preaching from their heart? Are they preaching the spirit? Can you really say everybody that's singing in the choir? This is the problem. And then we see ourselves being defeated over and over and over again by the devil. Because we refuse to understand through worship. And we refuse to go on the journey to get in the presence of God and hang out with God. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is saying what we need today is someone that will worship God truthfully. Someone that will worship God in truth. God is a spirit. That's why we have to worship him in spirit. That means, ladies and gentlemen, you can worship God in your flesh. That's the problem in many churches today. You can even worship God in your senses. But that's not true worship. I, I, I enjoy dancing myself. I enjoy good music. I'm a musician. I can tell when they, when they hit the wrong note. I mean, it's a good thing to have a good time. But if you really want to worship God, you must get in the spirit. If you receive that, say amen. amen. Let me close up by letting you know you're not worshiping God until you get right with God. You're not worshiping God until you can shift your burden to your Savior. You're not worshiping God until you can learn to pray before you, you sing, before you shout, during your shout. After your shout, prayer is very key. How one they are coming to this pulpit without first seeking God, without first anointing myself, without asking God to amplify my force. Do you know who and who may be listening to what I'm teaching today? I'm amazed every day I walk into somebody that will say, you said this. And I want to say thank you. Talk to strangers. They will tell me what I said while I'm preaching. I don't even remember my own self. 
It is very, very important. Choir, prepare yourself before you go in the presence of God. Preachers, prepare yourself. Sanctify. The Bible says render your heart, not your garment. It is so critical. It's a journey. Ladies and gentlemen, when you want to end, end your, your worship experience, you, see, you will see a shift. You are not worshiping until you experience that shift. And you can tell you're shifting from just praising God, just thanking him, to having a revelation. Revelation of what? Of his presence. Have you ever been in a room and you can tell somebody else is there? And you look around. Worship will take you on that journey. That you, I, I remember one brother in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. He, he was going through the journey and he said the, that very day that year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw something. If you are singing for an hour and you don't see God, you just wasted an hour of your time. He was in the child like you and me. He said, I can sense somebody's in the house. What do you see, brother prophet? He said, I saw him lifted. How can you worship God but you have no encounter with God? How can you praise God but you never see any change in your own life? He said, I saw God. Have you ever seen anything since you've been singing? Have you ever seen anything since you've been joining the worship team every Sunday to sing? You've not been in that journey. He said, not only did I see God, I see him walking. His trail, his trail filled the temple. When was the last time you were worshiping God with the choir and you saw God walk next to you? Worship is no worship until the presence of God filled the room. That lives have been changed. That people have been healed. That souls have been delivered. You can literally see deliverance taking place. People coming to church, see, and they're getting healed. People coming to church with all kinds of concern. And God is delivering them. But you know what we do? We go only so far and then we park the car. I'm believing God for a church where people will walk into this house and their life will never be the same. I'm believing God for a church where even before they get inside here, on the parking lot, people will be getting healed because this is holy ground. Power of God is on this place. And you know one thing, when you have true worship, another evidence you're going to see, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's going to change you. You cannot truly worship God and remain the same. That worshiper said, 
all of a sudden, I see change coming in. He said, I said, woe is me. I am undone. You see, I live in a, in a land that is unclean. I'm ministering to a people that's unclean. It will change you. You begin to see yourself as God sees you. You begin to see changes. The things that used to be funny before. You know what I'm trying to help all of us to do today? Let's have more than religion. We've been around this mountain for too long. It's time to move up higher. Are you listening to me? It's time for us to go higher. And when we go higher, when the pastor go up, and the choir go up, and the worship team go up, and the congregation go up, I am telling you, you will make the news throughout the nation. People will come from north and south, east and west, to behold the glory of God here. Ladies and gentlemen, this man experienced worship so much, he said he literally not just saw God in the building, he said the building began to move. He said the pole, the pole of the temple. You would think maybe he's losing his mind. No, true worship will take you from the natural into the spiritual. My prayer for you. My prayer for this church. And I will not stop until God lead us there. He's ready. He's willing and he's able. The only question today is, are you willing? Are you prepared to have more of God than just old time religion? It was good back then. But now, it's a new day, it's a new season. And the Bible is very clear how you get there. What do we need to do? Number one, get right with God. I never can understand how somebody can come and minister in the pulpit or sing in the choir and then during the week you see all this mess on, on Facebook. You see all this say we take God for granted. There ought to be places you cannot go because you are a member of the choir. You ought to be things that you cannot do because you are a member of the ministerial team of this church. Or you are a member of the deacon board. Or you are a member of the deaconess board. You make sacrifice. You give things you give things up in the physical so you can earn things in the spirit. Let's live holy. Let's live a prayerful life. The other day, I was counting how many people were at the prayer meeting. There were 12 people. We have more people Sunday morning on the choir stand than people will come. Guess how many preachers showed up? I counted them. Guess how many deacons showed up? I counted them. Guess how many deaconesses show up? 
I counted them. Guess how many choir members showed up? Do you all think this is just a game? But he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw me. All I'm asking you, let's come together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. And when we do what God is commanding us, believe me when I tell you, the life of this church would never be the same. Central Louisiana would never be the same again. And that's my prayer for you. Stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Holy Spirit, arrest our soul. Change us for the better. Help our unbelief. Have your way in this house. We don't want this to be another traditional missionary Baptist church. Glorify yourself in this house. This is your church. These are your people. There is nothing too hard for you. We trust you with our future. And we thank you for change in this house. Thank you for change in this community. We'll be careful to give you all the glory. All the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, give the Lord God a clap offering. I want to thank you for your willingness to study the Word of God. If you are here today and you're looking for a church home, you want to be in a place where you can study. tired of just drinking milk and you want to eat real steak concerning the things of God. This church is a place where you can learn and grow and use your gifting for the glory of God. After the benediction, the pastor and his wife will be right here. We want to welcome you to this church. And if you live streaming, there's a number under the screen call that number. There are ministers of the gospel waiting to pray with you. We believe with God all things are possible. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you will rest, rule, and abide with every one of us from now on and forevermore. And the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.